We're on a series called What's in Your Wallet, talking about money. Tonight we're going to talk about three big biblical concepts about how to handle money, okay? We're going to talk about three main concepts. I need a volunteer first. All right, Angela, come on up. Now, here's what's going to happen. Here's how this is going to work. I have this. I will give you this if you will give me one-tenth of it back. You got a deal? Okay. Open it up, see what's in there. What is that? I'm not actually giving you that, so this is a demonstration. It's not for real. So will you give me one of those back? Okay, give me one back. All right, so hang on to that. All right, put that back in the envelope there, okay? Now, I'll make the same deal with you on this envelope. Are you willing to do that? You willing to do that? Okay, open that one up. What's in there? So there was 10 $1 bills in that last one. That's $10. All right, 10 $10 bills. Anybody do the quick math? $100. So are you still gonna, willing to give me one of those back? Okay. All right. Will you do that with this one? They are hundreds. The new $100 are blue. Okay, sit down. Sit away from, nope, sit. They legit are like blue, okay? They're like blue. They've got a stripe on them. They're weird. It's the first time I've seen them, too, is when I got it today. It's a, I went to the bank and got these. It's $1,000, so would you give me one of those back? Yes. Okay, now, all right, put all those and leave it all up here because I really pulled this out of my savings account today to make that demonstration. So uh, you can't actually keep it. But so that is the tithe, okay? What we just did, that's what we call tithing in church, okay? Tithing is giving 10% of what you have or what you get Back to God. Okay, it's pretty simple there. I gave her $10. She gave me one back. I gave her $100. She gave me 10 back. I gave her $1,000. She gave me 100 back. Now tell me this, Angela. Was it a little harder to give back that $100 bill than it was the $1 bill? Really? You didn't find it harder? See, I would. Per, uh, huh? Well, here's the thing. Generally speaking... The more money we have, the harder it is to tithe. See, I've heard people say, you know, well, I don't have much money right now. I'll tithe when I have more money. But generally it doesn't work that way. I know for me, and I'm going to tell a little bit of my story a little bit later, it was actually way harder to tithe the more money I made. So here's the thing. We're talking about finances. The first big principle we're talking about tonight is the tithe, okay? That's giving 10% of, of what you have back to God. Now, this isn't uh, the reason we do this is because we know the Bible says that God is in control, right? We, and, and so that has to include our financial life. Like if we say, okay, God, many of you guys have already, you know, you've met Jesus. Okay, God, I'm going to give you control except for my money. But that's not what the Bible says, okay? In Colossians 1.17, it says he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Okay, so if we want to have good finances, we have to make sure that he is holding them together. Okay, uh, in uh, Malachi 3.10, this is where the actual scripture about the tithe is. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, this is interesting. Uh, Audrey had no idea what I was preaching on tonight when she picked Let It Rain. I promise that. And uh, so that's cool. God does that kind of stuff where the language in that worship song we just sang it's the same language, right? Open the floodgates of heaven. God said, if you will test me in this, if you will bring your tithe. No, not literally. I mean, that's not. It's a metaphorical rain. It's a metaphorical rain, okay? 
It's a metaphorical rain, but, no, no, yeah, we're not making it rain, okay, this isn't, yeah, uh, not quite like that. But it is interesting how that language does fit in both, you know, that language makes sense in both cases. See, and I want you to notice one word in that. What's the first word of this verse, Malachi 3.10? Bring. Bring. Okay, see, we think of tithing as giving, but there's a difference in those two words. Y'all know, many of you know, I had a wreck a week ago Sunday, okay, in my truck. My truck is not really drivable right now. I'm fine, yes, thank you for asking. I'm here. So, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Right now, I'm in a loaner vehicle, right? The, uh, the Wills had a vehicle that wasn't being used. I'm driving their Altima around, which is cool. I do appreciate it. But here's the thing. Imagine they needed that car back tomorrow, okay? So just have this thought. Trina or Vernon would not call me and say, hey, will you give me my car back? Like, it's yours now. Will you give it to me? Because it's not mine, right? They would say, hey, can you bring that back? Because it's not really mine. The tithe works the same way. You see, we know that God provides to us. We talked about this last week. God provides our wealth and gives us the ability to, to have wealth. And so really when we tithe, we're not giving anything back to him. We're just bringing him what was already his. Okay, so we kind of have that kind of that in mind. And the Bible says this. God right there in that verse says, test me in this. How many of you guys have ever tested somebody? Like, you know, they say something. You're like, dude, I'm going to test that. I'm going to see if it's real. Right, I'm going to see if it's true. Okay, God says, hey, test me in this. I've made a statement. This is a fact. You can test me. God is, is urging you to test him. Tithe and see if it doesn't, see if you don't end up blessed. He says right there, I will pour out so much blessing there will not be room enough to store it. I got a question for you guys. How many of you know somebody that you can think of who's ever had their car repossessed? Repossessed means you could not make your payments and the bank came and took it away. Okay, all of your hands should be up. And the reason I can say that is because I have had my car repoed. Okay, it's really embarrassing, but I'm going to tell you the story anyways. Okay, yeah, all of you know somebody who's had their car repoed because I got my car repoed. When I, uh, I bought my truck that I recently wrecked, I, uh, I bought it. I couldn't really afford it, but I kind of could. And so I decided, you know what? I want a new car. I had this junky old little car that I hated. And so I said, you know what? I want a new car. Man, the thing was brand new, 50 miles on it, nothing but test drive miles. So I bought this thing in like June or July. It was over the summer, I think. And then right after school started, I remember it was a Saturday morning. It was a Saturday. I was going to go play tennis with my buddy Nate. And so I got up that Saturday morning, got dressed, you know, whatever, done my stuff. And I walked out of my... I had a second floor apart, a second floor story. is a kind of combined floor and story there. I had a second story apartment, and I walked out onto the landing, and I looked down in the parking lot, and I noticed that my truck was not where it had, where I had parked it the night prior. I had been over at Micah and Nathan's house the night before, and uh, had come home late. And I even remember I made a comment to them about I should just crash here for the night and not go home. I should have, because then they wouldn't have known where my truck was to repo it. But uh, I uh, I woke up and my truck was gone, and it really sucked because I wasn't even surprised. Like, I knew I was behind on the payments. Sorry, I only had things for like four months, and I was already behind on the payments. And so I was like, well, that sucks. And so I had to borrow some money and, and all this stuff. Now, the reason I tell you this is because here's the thing. I, at that point, I had been working at the school. I had been teaching high school for a little more than a year. I had finished my whole first year, and I had, uh, was right at the beginning of my second year teaching high school. But that entire time, I was not tithing. I was serving. I was playing in the band. I was in the work, you know, I was helping out with youth and leading small groups and all that stuff, but I wasn't tithing, 
Okay, so I managed to borrow the money and you know got my car out of re- out of Hawk and which really just isn't fun. Um, had to drive to freaking Timbuktu to get it, and so I get my car out of repo, whatever. I start making the payments. I was barely scraping by, um, and I spent two more years still not tithing. Like for three years, I worked that job making full time money, and I wasn't tithing. Okay, when I. Uh, when I, I remember when I told the school that I was leaving to come here and be a youth pastor. I didn't know where I was going to go at that time. I just knew I was going to be a youth pastor or a worship pastor. One of the guys in, my, in, my, in the band, one of his dads, he uh, was not a Christian. He goes, oh, you going for the money? You quitting to make more money? And I think he had like kind of a Joel Osteen look of what pastors make, you know. Um, I don't know if you all know this, but uh, ministry... Being a pastor is not a good way to get rich, okay? We don't get into this for the money. Um, And I knew I was probably going to take a pay cut, actually, when I quit teaching to become a pastor. And that's exactly what happened. I'm not complaining because I'm going to tell you, uh, finish my story. But so I I was making a certain amount, but I wasn't tithing, and I was always broke, man. For three years, I was always this close to broke. I had no savings. I had you know, I was barely making my bills. It, it just wasn't good, okay? And that was with cheap as dirt rent, living with Micah, no utilities. I mean, I had it good, and I still was broke all the time. So I moved out here, started doing this job, took a little pay cut, which, again, don't take this as a complaint because I love my job. But I took a little pay cut, but I started tithing because I knew that when you're a pastor, they can actually check your tithing records to make sure that you're, you are. And so I was tithing kind of out of guilt when I first moved here. But here's the thing. I make less money now than I did as a teacher. I have higher bills because my rent is higher and my utilities are higher than what I was living with Micah. I mean, I was only paying 400 bucks a month rent to live with Micah. My rent is higher than that now. Even splitting it between me and Wes, I still pay way more than that. Okay, my car insurance, actually that might have gone down a little bit. But most of my bills went up, my paycheck went down, and yet now I have enough money and savings to pull out $1,100 and still have some in the bank. I didn't, take, I didn't empty out my savings to do this. Okay, the reason I say this is because I am living proof that when you tithe, God blesses it. I don't know how. The math doesn't work in my head, but I make less money. I have more bills, but I'm tithing, and now I have more money in the bank than I ever did before. Okay, so tithing, God will. I have tested God on this. I have done it, and he will bless you more than you can even, like, like I never would have guessed that after two years, of doing this, I'd have this much in savings. I've been able to just buy a new guitar, save, you know, doing all this kind of stuff. So, cool thing, God will totally bless you if you test him on it. Now, here's the thing. You gave 10% back to God, right? That's tithing. We gave 10%. So how many does that leave you with? 90. 100 minus 10 is 90%. Very good. All right? Pretty basic math there. But we have to make sure that we're being smart with the 90% that we have. You can't just be stupid with the 90%. Now, there's a guy in the Bible named Solomon, okay? Solomon is both, Solomon is rich and wise. He was the wisest man in the earth, and he was also very rich. How many of you guys want to be wise? Hopefully all of you still want to be wise. How many of you want to be rich? How many of you want to be both wise and rich? Right, so we're trying to figure out how to handle our money. We should listen to the guy who's both wise and rich. So, Here's the deal. Solomon was both rich and wise, so we're going to follow some of his advice for the rest of the night. He wrote a book called Proverbs, and Proverbs 21.5 says this, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Now, what this is telling us is this. We have to plan what we're doing with our money. If you want to have have profit, you want to have money, you have to plan where your money goes. You say, I don't have that much money. Good, it should be easy. 
Okay, you should be able to very easily know where your money is going. There shouldn't be a mystery. If you ever get to the point in your life where you're like, you know, I had $1,000 and now I only have $500, but I have no idea what happened to the 500. That's bad. That means you're not planning very well with what you're doing. Okay, and in today's economy or in today's world, this is super easy. I can go online, look at my bank statement at any minute, and it is updated. Okay, I can, you know, I can look and see exactly how much I have in my bank account at any minute, and it stays updated to what I have. So it's very easy for us to know what we have. Okay, I heard somebody say this. If you tell it where to go, it will go there. If you ask where it wants to go, you won't be able to find it. Okay? If you tell it where to go, it will go there. If you ask where it wants to go, you won't be able to find it. How many of you guys have a little brother or sister? Right? Now, remember when you were like, when you know, thinking little kids here, and you know, if you're a teenager and you're whatever. But just think about this, you know. You tell your little brother or your little sister, hey, or your mom says, hey, will you go, go to your room. They tell the kids, go to their room, go to the room, right? But imagine this. That's not a real good example there, okay? But here's the thing. Imagine this. You're a little kid, you get in trouble, but instead of saying, go to your room, your parents go, now where would you like to go? Right? That's an ineffective, that's not good parenting, right? That's pretty crappy parenting. And so the same thing happens here. If you say, you know, if you don't decide where your money is going, it will decide and it will usually go to the wrong place. I promise you that. Okay? How many of you guys have ever gone someplace and you saw that stuff was on sale? Right? We, we, all, we all like sales. I personally shop on the clearance rack. It's awesome. Me and Pastor Todd were up in Lubbock last month, and I got two pairs of shorts and a polo shirt for 10 bucks, and it was awesome. The, my green shorts that I wear, they're my most comfortable shorts, $3 at JCPenney. It was the bomb. But here's the thing. If we had gone to JCPenney and I had said, okay, I got $10 worth of clothes here, and I looked in my wallet and I, or, I, you know, on my bank cards, but I don't have $10 to spend, and I still buy that. What does my bank account look like now? Negative $10, right? And we do this so often. Oh, but it's on sale. That means I can afford it. Well, if you don't have the money, you don't have the money, no matter whether it's on sale or not, okay? And this is the mistake I made with my truck. I got it at a pretty good price, but I didn't have the money even at that price. So you have to be aware of that when we're planning for our money, that on sale is not really on sale if you don't have the money to begin with. Okay, and this is the thing about budgeting and planning where our money goes is that sometimes it confronts our lifestyle. We have to make choices about what we get sometimes. And I know, man, in today's world, we are so used to having like our toys. See, when you were little, oh, no, I'll get to that in, in a little bit. I'll get to that a little bit. But here's the thing. Whatever your toys are, sometimes we have to choose when we're budgeting really whether or not we get that. You might like to Whatever you like to spend your money on. You might like to hunt, man. Hunting is not cheap. You got to buy guns and ammo, okay? You get, you know, if you like, if, sometimes it's just something as simple as like having unlimited data on your phone or, you know, spending for that extra plan or getting that nicer phone, okay? For me, a lot of times I like to spend my money going to sporting events. You know, I just saw today FSU is going to be in Dallas next year, and I'm already thinking about saving up for that because you know I'm going to be all about that, um, especially once we're the defending national champions. But uh, whatever we like to spend our money, on we have to make sure we have it before we spend on that sometimes we have to make choices to say you know what I want that I really do but I'm not going to get it okay uh, so just kind of be aware of that okay it's like this Dave Ramsey who's a financial guy says this he's a Christian financial guy he's awesome he says if you live like no one else one of these days you'll be able to live like no one else see we look at people around it's like oh man they just got that new iPhone 5s or you know they got or they're you know you know they're already getting those people who buy the new iPhone the second it comes out, whether or not they're ready for an upgrade. You know those people, right? And sometimes we get jealous. And I'll admit, I'm like, dude, how can you afford that junk? But here's the thing. 
especially if they're financing and they're getting into a lot of debt. I know that one day, you know what, I may not have all the nicest phones right now. I've never had a nice phone, really. I'm always like two generations behind. But one day, I'm going to be able to afford all that stuff because I'm saving and I'm being smart. And so I encourage you to do that same because Perry Noble says this, nobody gets rich accidentally. Okay, nobody has ever gotten rich accidentally, and the lottery does not count because you had to choose to play the lottery. Don't play the lottery. I'm not saying to play the lottery, so don't hear that in that illustration. Nobody has ever, well, yeah, everybody buys one lottery ticket when they turn 18. Like, Audrey turns 18 tomorrow, and now she's going to go, she, she turns 18 tomorrow, and now she's going to go buy a lottery ticket. But don't play the lottery expecting to get rich because it doesn't work most people. So stick with me here. Stick with me here. We're going to go back to Proverbs, same chapter, chapter 21. And in verse 20, it says this, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. How many of you eat fast? I'm a fast eater. Okay, I tend to inhale food. You know, I'm like a Hoover vacuum when I get food in front of me. Um, but here's the thing. Now, I'm not talking about a mount because, like, Taylor's a garbage disposal. But I don't really eat as much, but I eat it fast. Like, whatever I have, I'm going to eat it as quickly as possible. But the Bible says this, and he's talking about money. He's using the food metaphor. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Okay, people who save money have money because they worked hard for it. I mentioned earlier that, uh, um, oh, no, I'm still, still ahead of myself here. And the reason why we have to save money, this is principle number three. The first one was tithing. The second one was budgeting and planning where your money goes. Principle number three is saving money. We have to save money because, and y'all may not be there quite yet, but I'm going to tell you, once you become an adult, there's always something waiting to go wrong. Ready to have a car problem, just when you're like, man, everything's going good, all of a sudden your car breaks down. Or your computer craps out and you got to buy a new computer. Or whatever it may be, you got to go to the hospital, those kind of things. Emergencies come up, and so we, you need to have an emergency fund. Once you start working, I know I'm a little ahead of your time, but I want to get it in your head now. When you have a job, you got to save money. Now, here's what is not an emergency. New clothes, not emergency. If you have clothes on your back, new clothes are not an emergency. I know most of you guys have clothes in your closet. Some of you have clothes in your closet that you've had for years and you've never actually worn. Not an emergency, okay? New shoes, not an emergency. A new fishing rod, not an emergency. How many of you guys think a date is an emergency? Like, I'm broke, but I have a date. That's an emergency. Wrong. Dates are not an emergency, and I speak from experience, okay? Do not blow your emergency money on a date, but we have to save Say what? What's that? Well, yeah, for the girls today, it's not an emergency at all because the guys are paying anyways. Guys, you pay for your dates, dang it. Be, be gentlemen. But here's the thing. Our emergency fund should not be spent on that. I have an emergency fund, okay? It does not get spent on when I decide I want a new shirt or when I decide I want another instrument or whatever it may be. Okay, it is not, that's not how it works, and a date definitely does not qualify either. So you say, how do I save money? Well, there's some simple steps, okay? And, and, but here's the thing, that you have to work for these things. Like sometimes that might mean when you get a job, you have to work overtime, okay? I have two jobs. I work this job. I also substitute. Many of you have had me as a sub, okay? Substituting is my second job. Teaching trumpets is kind of a second job as well. I teach some lessons. Those are second jobs. Sometimes you just sell some stuff. How many of you guys crap? Got crap in your house that you never use, right? We all probably do. What? No, not crack. How many of you have crack in your house that you don't use? No. How many of you guys have crap in your stuff in your house that you don't use? You can make money off of that. There's a thing called eBay and Craigslist, and you can all of a sudden have money you did not have before. It's cool. Okay? 
Because, and I'm like this, like I'll, I'll get something or I'll have it and I'm like, you know, one day I might use that. Right? How many of you guys have this thought, right? I have music on my iPod. Oh, my, my iPod is so full of junk that I never listen to. And you can't sell this, but, you know, stick with me on the metaphor here. Because I got stuff in my iPod that I put, I'm like, you know, one day I might be in the mood to listen to that. I'm never going to be in the mood to listen to it. You know, here, let me find something really embarrassing on my iPod really quick. Uh, I got some good stuff on here. Um, dude, those are awesome soundtracks. Okay. Do what? I have a little bit of the Mulan soundtrack. Yeah, that's true. Here's one. Here's one that I keep on there because one day I might be in the mood for it. Uh, Barry Manilow, Copacabana. I've never been in the mood to listen to Copacabana, okay? I'll play it later. Anyways, old, cheesy music. Uh, but I'm never in the mood to listen to Copacabana, but I keep it on there. We do the same thing with stuff, right? Like one day, one day I might use that blow-up giraffe. Yeah, you, never, you know, I mean, we've all got random stuff. Anyways, anyways, I know the blow-up elephant from our Elephants in the Room series a year ago. So those are ways we can save. Now here's the thing. The older we get, the harder it gets to save. And the reason why is because our toys get more expensive. Right? When you're a little kid, you go to Walmart and spend 10 bucks on a Nerf gun, and you're happy for like weeks, right? Like we know that that is good. The problem is we get older and... Most of you guys are in getting to this spot where all of a sudden you don't want $10 Nerf toys. Well, sometimes those can be fun too. But, but right, we're talking about vehicles, right? You know, y'all know me. It's musical instruments. I just bought a brand new guitar. You know, electronics, right? iPods, iPhones, iPads, MacBooks, whatever it may be, Kindles, right? Our toys get more expensive, so we have to work extra hard sometimes. We have to be extra diligent in our choices to save correctly because, y'all know, I just bought an acoustic guitar, okay? It's, it's in my office. Um, cost me $1,000. I bought it two weeks ago. Cost me $1,000. Now, here's the thing. It took me three months of subbing and giving trumpet lessons to be able to afford that guitar. Like, I've been looking at it since the summer. Once school started, I started saving up all those extra paychecks, and I was able to buy it. You know, I'm working on some other stuff. I want a $400 trumpet case. I want a new bed cover for my truck once it gets fixed. I, uh, I've got my own a new electric guitar that I saw while I was up there this, or a couple weekends ago. That's a lot of money. And you know what? I'm going to tell you guys. I could order that stuff right now and have it by the weekend. I have enough in my savings account to do that. But if I did that, then if my car did break down, I'd be out of luck because I wouldn't have any more in my savings. So we have to make sure that we're saving correctly and we're saving diligently. We're not dipping into that emergency fund like we talked about earlier because that's what savings is about. Now, there's another reason we need to have savings. You know, we got to have some extra money. It's because sometimes the Lord will call us to be generous when we weren't planning on it. Okay, I told you guys a story about uh, the preacher, I think, last weekend who gave his whole paycheck away and got blessed for it. Well, here's the scripture. Acts 20, 35 says, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the Lord, Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give to receive. See, if I went out tomorrow and I spent $400 on a trumpet case and $600 on a, you know, on a, on a truck bed cover and 1000 and change, whatever it is for that guitar, my savings account would be broke, okay? It would be nada, not very much left in it. There would be a very little bit, but not much. So imagine I do that, and then tomorrow God tells me to buy somebody lunch or to help somebody, you know, some, somebody. God gives me a, a duty to do being generous, and all of a sudden I don't have the money to do that. 
Okay, so now it's not just affecting me, but it's affecting other people, and it's affecting my ability to do what God has called me to do. So we have to save properly. We have to be prepared to be generous with our money. So what are the three Three principles. Tithing, give 10% back to God or bring 10% back to God. It wasn't yours to begin with. Whatever paychecks you get, whenever you earn, you earn your babysitting money or whatever you do, 10% right back to God. Market his tithes when you put it in the offering. Number two, budget. You got to plan what you're doing with your money. And number three, we got to save right. These are biblical principles that I encourage you guys to follow. If you want to have money when you're grown up, start following these principles now. Okay, start following them now. Uh, we've got one more sermon in this series two weeks from now, three weeks from now, and, uh, and I'll finish it out. That's the last of the series. But here's the deal. I want you guys to think about this stuff. I know you feel like it's a far way off. You're not there yet. But trust me, you're closer than you think. And if you start living by these principles now, when you get into your 20s and 30s and that kind of stuff, you'll be ready. You'll already be used to it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these guys. I thank you for the chance to bring your word to them. God, I pray that these words would strike their hearts and would stick in their minds and they would remember these things um, that you have called us to do and that you have, have given us to do so that you can bless us. We know that you promised us that if we test you, you will bless us in return. And so, God, I pray that we would do that. Lord, that we would follow your precepts and allow you to bless us. I pray that you would bless these guys uh, and everything they do, God, that these principles of stewardship would apply to their school and to their extracurriculars and to whatever they do, God, that, that they would be wise in the way they handle themselves and know that you're going to bless them in return. God, we thank you. We love you. To you we pray. Amen.